Break the Silence, Build the Future is an original podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of survivors and advocates while shedding light on the pervasive issue of gender-based violence. Join us on a journey where survivors find strength in sharing their stories and experts offer profound insight. In my last episode, I interviewed a young woman. I didn't want to share her real name, so I called her Hope. And at the end of that interview, I asked her what was it that would have helped her to avoid getting into such relationship, and if she got into it, to help her get out of it the sooner than she did, so not to stay and suffer and for the length of time she'd endured. And she said first... She was afraid that people wouldn't believe her. She would have liked to know that she would be believed if she came forward and said, this is what I'm experiencing. That's the first. Second thing she said, nobody explained to you what abuse looks like beyond the physical injury. So she didn't know all the things she had experienced in that relationship that were in fact abuse were abuse. She didn't realize that. So nobody had educated her. So not being educated, not knowing what constituted abuse and feeling that if she came forward, she would not be believed. That kept her cemented in that relationship much longer than she should have and therefore endured traumatic experience that now she says it's PTSD. So that made me think that what would have helped my daughter while she was alive, the numerous times that she tried to get out, what would have helped her to stay out and not go back? And what would have helped me and the rest of my family as her support system to support her in a way that was productive? With those questions in mind, I thought about how the systems that were supposed to help my daughter had in fact failed her and continuously fail my family as we now live and deal with the tragic loss. So in this week's episode, I will take you through my personal experience of what was happening with my daughter in those times when she was trying to leave that relationship and what is happening with my family now that we are trying to process this unimaginable loss. What I want to speak to you today is how the system had failed my daughter while she was alive and continues to fail my family after her death. Like I said, my daughter was in this relationship for 18 years. And in those 18 years, she left and went back and left and went back for at least 11 times to try and rectify the relationship. Each time my daughter went to see a doctor, I would go in and I would ask if I could add something to it. Could I tell you what it is my daughter is experiencing? Could I give you the bigger picture? I always was told no. 
you cannot tell us anything and we will not add anything that you tell us into her file. We're not going to do that. Why? Because we need to protect her privacy. That's what I heard all the time. I know she's an adult. I get that. I know they have to protect her privacy. And I'm okay with that. I'm not asking for anybody to tell me what she had told them. Because I know more than anyone else. Oh, do I know more than I care to acknowledge. I knew the deepest of the struggles that she had faced. Each time she came home, I would hear horror in a greater detail. But I did not want to know what she had told them. All I wanted to do was to add to what she had told them without me knowing what it is that she had said. I wasn't allowed to do any of that. I wasn't allowed to advocate for her. I wasn't allowed to say anything, add anything, tell anybody anything. So when my daughter was gone, all those files that I couldn't add to before became mine now. This medical form, that medical form, I had to sign and give consent to all of those. Those files would do nothing for me right now, would mean nothing for me. When they mattered, when I could have hopefully brought some extra information so my daughter could get the help she needs, my daughter could get the risk assessment that she never had because nobody really understood, nobody really knew the depth of the trouble she was in, including herself, unfortunately, until it was too late. So now myself and my family have to live with all these what if questions. We have to live with the guilt of things that were said that should not have been said, things that had not been said that should have been said, and asking ourselves, what is it did we not do? What did we miss? What could we have done better? What could we have done differently? and living with the guilt that comes with questioning yourself. So now my daughter is gone, and what I'm finding out is when you get to the legal end of things, it's never about you. It's never about the family. It's never even about the person who lost their life. It's all about the number criminal code that somebody broke. You and the Crown. You and the prosecutors. You and Ontario government. You and the Canadian government. The families that are victims of these crimes don't even have their own lawyer. The accused person has their own lawyer and the government has its lawyer. But we have nobody as the family and we are the greatest losers, biggest losers here. I have never imagined, I have never thought about how this worked. I didn't understand what is it that happened when somebody is a victim of a crime. Nothing happens for you. You don't even have advocacy. Nobody's advocating for you. Of course, there are victim services there. But what are the victim services doing? Maybe they tell you when a court date is and when a court date is not. 
Maybe where they tell you where to apply to get counseling for your grief and help you with paying for that if you don't have the coverage for it. Perhaps they tell you when the person is coming up, when the trial is going to start, but nothing else. We know nothing more than you in the public know. Nothing. Even if we decided to hire our own lawyer so we could at least get some of our questions answered, that lawyer would have no right to ask questions. We are not part of this equation of getting justice. So what is the takeaway from that right now? The takeaway is we need to do the work ourselves. We need to, as a community, come together and support each other. And I always say there is no hero coming. Characters in TV that are wearing caves that will fly in and fix all problems. I always was waiting for a hero to come to help whenever I called somewhere, somebody to help me so I could help my daughter, somebody to help me so I could guide my daughter into saving herself, into loving herself as much as she loved the other person in the process of getting herself to safety. But I didn't get that hero. And now she's gone. We don't have a hero that says, okay, you are the family that lost a loved one. You are the family you lost your daughter. These are the steps we're going to take to support you. We are the process. These are the things you have to, the right to get a lawyer. And if I cannot afford one, one will be provided to me in the government's dime. I have the right to fair trial. I have the right to be considered innocent until I'm found guilty. I have the right to, to speedy trial. So I'm not sitting there forever. I have the right to confront my accuser. I have the right to know the charge that had been brought against me so I can defend myself. I have the right to either testify on my behalf or not testify. But if you are the victim, like my family is, what are your rights? Do you know? Because I don't. And if I have to guess, I would say you have no rights as a victim. And the trial that goes through, the court process that takes place, has no consideration for you as the victim, as the family of the victim. Nothing. Going through my entire family asking questions about what is next? What now? What do we do? Where do we go from here? We don't know. I do not know where do we go from here. I am trying to find and figure out what are my rights as a mother who is a victim, lost her child. What are the rights for my other children that lost their oldest sister? What are the rights of my extended family, my brothers, my sisters, my nephews, my nieces? What are the rights of the community where my daughter was part of. And I can tell you there are no rights for the victims. And what we can take from that today is 
it's our job as a community, as Ontarians, as humans, as women, as mothers, as sisters, as fathers, as brothers, for victims' rights, for advocacy for people like myself, like my daughter, like my family that are in that situation. Because getting a traffic ticket, right away, the police officer will tell you, you can contest this ticket. And to contest it, send it to this court. And, and then they will give you a court date. You can hire ticket defenders and have those ticket defenders go on your behalf and you pay them and they contest the ticket on your behalf. Or you can agree to pay for the ticket in full or request a payment to be given to you six months. So you know what your rights are. Even though the police officer tells you, I followed you or I had that radar gun and you were going 70 in a 50 zone or you were going 130 in a 100 zone. But still, the police officer is required to tell you what your rights are and what your responsibility is to drive in this safe distance that you're allowed. Now you broke that. This is the consequence for your ticket, but these are your rights in dealing with this ticket. He has to tell you that. So I'm starting with driving violation, which is not a, a crime that goes in your criminal record, but I'm starting from there. Anytime you're accused of something from driving too fast, not wearing a seatbelt, to stealing something, to robbing, to assaulting somebody, to killing somebody, whatever it is you're accused, you are told this is what you are accused. But you have the right to be considered innocent until proven guilty. You have the right to remain silent, to avoid self-incrimination. You have the right to get a legal representation and pay for it. If you cannot pay for it, one will be provided for you. You have the right to ask for a bail hearing. Whether you're approved or not, you have the right to ask for that. You have the right for fair trial, not prejudicial against you. You have the right to confront your accuser. You have the right to testify on your behalf or not to testify on your behalf. You have the right to get a speedy trial. Nobody can hold you four years, three years, five years in custody without getting you through the trial. So the idea is you have all those rights, no matter what rule it is that you broke. But if you are the victim, because no crime is victimless, if you are the victim, what are your rights? None. Definitely, if you are the victim, you don't have the right to a legal representation. Because technically, the crown in the Canadian system and a prosecutor in other systems are supposedly your lawyers, but they're not your lawyers. They are lawyers for that criminal code that this person broke. That's, that's who they are, are lawyers for. And that's what they're defending. Not necessarily your person, not necessarily you as the victim, but they are defending that criminal code section that this person broke. So I think it's about time that we demanded 
some form of advocacy that allows us to get where the questions we have as victims or the family of the victims can be answered in a legal way. Somebody who knows in a way that I wouldn't be able to ask and they would be able to gain information that I wouldn't gain. So I think it's about time that we stop waiting for a hero to come, for a superman to show up. It's about time that we stood for ourselves and said, what are the victim's rights? We are clear on what the accused person's rights are. It's about time that we know what the victim's rights are. Thank you for joining me. Please remember to listen, like, follow, subscribe, and share. And join me next week for another episode of the podcast, Break the Silence, Build the Future. Music